If you've been here the last couple weeks, you've noticed I've not been here the last couple weeks. I was out of Forsyth campus a couple weeks ago, and then my family and I were on vacation last week and had a great Thanksgiving. And what was neat was this was the first time in probably about 10 or so years that my side of the family all got together and had Thanksgiving under one roof. And whether we've been in California or Georgia, we usually have it. My, my family, my sister's family has been doing it on other places. They've got kids. So, you know, schedules get crazy. It gets difficult to try to get everybody together. We said, we're going to do it this year. So we finally did. We got my family, my sister's family, and my parents all under one roof. And specifically, let me tell you about that one roof. It was a two-bedroom cabin up in the mountains. Yeah. So we had my family, which Becky and I, we have three kids, all under the age of six. And my sister, her family, her and her husband, they have four kids. Yeah, you're seeing how this week was for me, aren't you? So I am so glad to be back. Unbelievably glad to be back. But it, it was a good time. My parents loved it. They were thrilled that they had both of their kids and all the grandkids all together. I told you it was a two-bedroom cabin, right? We talked through that. Yeah, two-bedroom for the week, had Thanksgiving, and we only left the cabin one time because, as you could imagine, trying to get that many kids out of a cabin is just not going to happen. But we went down into the Gatlinburg area because my parents wanted something. And they said, oh, then you can make this our Christmas present. I'm like, yeah, right, you say that now. You're going to want something later. But here's what they wanted. They wanted an, an all-family photo. Yeah, an all-family photo with all of the kids, grandkids, and them. So this is what we finally got. I am pleased to present to you. We got it. We nailed it. You need to know that your pastor has the perfect family, and this picture is proof. You're laughing. Why are you laughing? You don't believe me. No. Let me explain the 45 minutes leading up to that picture, where it was this kid, to stop touching that kid, and this kid I'm having to bribe so that they'll stand there and get all the kids facing, and we finally got it. We asked this stranger, you've probably been this stranger at some point, where somebody says, hey, will you take a photo? And they say, sure, and then we say, okay, crew, and we all fill in, and you should have seen her eyes, like, all of you? And we're like, yeah, 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 it'll be fine. I said, keep taking pictures until I tell you to stop. There's bound to be one that at least shows us, you know, semi-liking each other. So it did. I mean, it was an ordeal of, of getting the kids ready and then bribing, literally bribing the kids. Yes, we will get ice cream afterwards. Yes, we will do. Yes, you can have whatever you want. Just stand still for three seconds so I can take one picture and show people that we love each other. That's all I'm asking. That's all I want. Well, more so for Papa and Gigi to be able to tell that to everybody. So we all got together. It took us forever. And man, this lady's just snapping pictures and no, don't aim here and no, look here and hand out of your nose out. I mean, it's just this massive chaotic moment. But in one of the hundred pictures that we got, we finally got one. And that's the one that you put on Instagram and Facebook. You make sure everybody sees that picture, right? The reality is, you know this, it's, it's a snapshot. It's a small glimpse into what really was going on. It's a, it's a split-second image that really isn't the full story. It is a portion of the story. It is a fraction of the story. It's, it's still a reality, but it really doesn't show you the before and the after and everything leading up to it. You might have seen something like this, whether you have one in your home or your front yard, or you see those, you, we see these nativity scenes. And we have a nativity scene, in fact, this one's ours, um, that is in our house, and we use it to tell our kids about the story of, of Christmas. We, well, you have baby Jesus, and you have Mary and Joseph, his mom and dad, 
And we talk about the story of the wise men, and we talk about the shepherds who were in the fields, and they get visited by this huge group of angels. And and so we walk them through the Christmas story, and, and we know this scene as the nativity scene. It's a snapshot. It is a glimpse. It is a a true split-second photo of that Christmas, that Christmas moment. But in reality, there's a lot that was happening outside of that one snapshot. There's a lot leading up to the moment that the shepherds and the wise men and even Mary and Joseph have that moment of meeting Jesus for the first time. There's a lot that happens after they meet Jesus. And the nativity scene that we put in our houses and we see and is on the, the greeting cards, it doesn't give a full picture of what really was happening. So that's what we're going to do for the, for the next month, for, throughout this month. We're going to look at the before and the after. This is important, absolutely, and we're going to talk a lot about that. But the before, the leading up to that scene and what happened afterwards is just as important. We don't want to overlook it. So we're going to start with the shepherds this morning. If you have your Bibles, head over to Luke. We're going to look at Luke's account of the shepherds being told about and then meeting Jesus for the very first time time. Here's the story. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. We'll put the verses on the screen behind me if you want to follow along. It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were what? What's it say? Terrified, Terrified as we all would be. If you're minding your own business, you're out in the middle of nowhere, out in the fields, doing your job, and then boom, angel shows up. You're going to be terrified. And what I want us to pay attention to is the emotion that most likely the feelings that the shepherds would have had in this moment. In fact, leading up even all the way to the point of finally meeting Jesus, how did the shepherds feel? You need to know that the picture of shepherds that we usually have in our nativity scene is not the type of shepherds that really would have been in in this story. They were rough They were very, very rough men that were out by themselves for long, long periods of time. They were geographically on the outskirts of town, but even from a cultural or a society point uh, perspective, they would have been considered outcasts. They didn't associate a lot, associate a lot with other individuals. So we could we could see from the very beginning here that there's these two feelings that we can relate to. The first one, you said the word that they were what when the angels showed up? They were terrified. Now, that word terrified literally could be translated as it is, terrified, afraid, but there's another connotation that goes along with that word of to dread. They're terrified not because it's necessarily scary. They're terrified because they don't know what's about to happen. They're dreading what this angel, this messenger is going to tell them or do. So there's dread. They, they don't want to walk into what is about to happen. And I can't help but think that's where we find ourselves during Christmas, isn't it? That there's all, if we went around the room, we, there's all, there, for all of us, there's something that we are dreading. There's something about the holidays or something about Christmas or something about families getting together under one roof that has a two-bedroom cabin with that many people that you're dreading going into. There's something about the holidays that you're trying to avoid, that, that you're trying to stay away from. You might not say you're terrified. You might not even say you're afraid, but we would agree that we are dreading certain parts of Christmas and some parts of the holiday. Maybe it's a family relationship that's not the way it used to be. Now, we don't talk anymore, or when we do, it's just a few words. I haven't seen this person in a really long time. I don't know how they're going to react. It's been a long year. 2018's been rough. I I don't feel like telling my whole family everything that I've gone through. And When somebody asks, how's your year been, I'm dreading the answer that I'm going to have to give. 
There's something that we all dread, especially during this season. If you've experienced loss, we dread going into a time when family is always talked about and you're thinking, but what about the ones that I've lost? The shepherds were dreading what was about to happen, what was about to be told to them. They were dreading it. The other feeling here, the other emotion, you have to dig in a little bit deeper, but it comes out of the very first part. It says the shepherds were living out in the fields nearby. Again, nearby. They're not in town. They're on, this ed- they're on the edge of town. And it doesn't say they were just hanging out in the fields. It didn't say they were just there during the day for their job. It says they were living in the fields nearby. Living in the fields by themselves. You talk about the feelings of isolation. The feelings of it's me, the shepherds, and the sheep, and that's it. That's the only people that you're interacting with. And especially during the Christmas season, we tend to find ourselves in that place. There's certain things that we dread, and so we cope with that by, well, I'm just gonna pull back. I'm gonna withdraw. I'm gonna try to avoid it altogether. And we isolate ourselves. And the feelings of loneliness and being alone become to sink pretty deep. So whether it's the things we dread or the isolation that we put ourselves in, I think we can relate, especially during this season. Things we dread and the way that we avoid, the way that we withdraw, and we surround ourselves with very few. And we have feelings of being alone and being isolated. That's how they were feeling. And we don't see that in this snapshot, do we? But they had to, would have, they had to have felt something along those lines of alone, isolated, and then terrified or dreading what was to come, anxious, nervous, fearful of the future. The uncertainty would have been massive as they are encountering an angel for the very first time. So that's the emotional part that they're dealing with. Before they meet Jesus, that's the feelings that they've had. And it's not to discount those feelings, but look at the reality that is going to set in because the angel then speaks to those two feelings and those emotions. It says, verse 10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Quite literally called it out. They were terrified. There's no doubt they could tell just by the look of these shepherds that they would have been terrified and be dreading what was about to come. So the angel speaks to it. Angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all people, not just some people as the shepherds were probably used to. Oh, you mean those people, the respected people, the leaders. No, the angel said, for all people, including you, shepherds. Verse 11, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Look at this. Now suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So we have the emotional state of the shepherds, isolated feelings of loneliness at times, and then this moment of dread, not looking forward to what's about to come, terrified even, afraid of the unknown. And then the angels, not not just speaks to it, but says blatantly, do not be afraid because this is good news. Don't worry, don't worry. It's something good, and it's not just for them, it's for all people, you included. So speaks right then and there, a voice of reason saying, no, 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 don't be afraid. You have nothing to worry about. But here's what I love too, is the isolation and the feeling of loneliness. This wasn't, it started out as just one angel, but what happened? Then an entire host of angels, an entire multitude of angels, an entire army of angels, an entire company of heavenly hosts showed up and start praising God. Here are these shepherds that are used to being alone and have kind of just 
gotten okay with it, right? Maybe you don't love it, but it's, hey, that's the hand I've been dealt. This is my job. This comes with the territory. You kind of, sorry, you don't love it. You just get used to it because it's never going to change, right? So they got used to the isolation, got used to being alone, and in a matter of moments, they see who knows how many angels up in the sky. It's interesting that God chose not just one angel, but potentially thousands of angels to bring this message to a group of individuals that felt very alone and isolated. Now, again, I'm not saying our feelings don't count. I'm not saying our feelings aren't qualified and, and there's no reason for us to doubt them. Our feelings are a huge part of it, but it's a snapshot. It's, a, it's really only half the equation, right? The way the shepherds were feeling of, of loneliness, maybe even depression at times, and then terrified and dreading, that's a portion there's another part to it that also shows the reality. Our feelings, we don't disqualify them, but we can't rely solely on them. We need to see the bigger picture. And that's what the angels were able to do for the shepherds. They show them a bigger picture. Look who's here around you. You might not have seen us a moment ago, but look who is here. And this is great news. It's good news. It's going to bring joy. There's nothing to fear. There's nothing to worry about. Here's the saying that I've been seeing circulate, especially this time of year. It says this. Feelings are not the presence, are not the evidence of the presence of God. Feelings are not the evidence of the presence of God. I love that. Because so often, isn't that what we rely on? Well, if you feel God, then he must be there. Well, then what do you happen when you don't feel God? Well, I don't feel God in this moment. I, I feel just disconnected with God. I feel far away from God. I feel like God is far away from me. Our feelings are not evidence of God's presence or lack thereof. God is there. And that's what the shepherds were able to see. So they had the emotional state they were in, but then the angels showed them reality. The reality that there is nothing to be afraid, that we have great news for all people, and the reality that you are not alone, the reality that it's not just one angel here, that it is a multitude of angels that are surrounding you and you didn't even know it. So now they're like, well, what do we do next? And here's what we find. So their emotional state, they get a dose of reality. Here's what happens next. Verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now, a couple quick things here. First of all, ladies in the room, you would never, when told about someone's birth, say, let's go see that thing. That's what guys would say. So it gives you a little insight into the minds of these shepherds of like, let's go see that thing. I get an it, right? We don't know what it is. Um, but I, I have to think, as Luke is writing down this account, right, from eyewitnesses, I have to imagine that the first thing that these shepherds, these roughneck shepherds would have said to each other was not, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing. There was probably a few more words before that that Luke said, ah, we'll take some holy edits and cross that out for you to, for you to decide. Point is, something that was unknown is now known, they said, let's go see this thing that has happened the Lord has told us about. In other words, we had no idea until we were told. We don't even know what to really think about this thing, but let's go and see. And before they decided to go, they were faced with a very important decision. Because right now, there's kind of this internal battle of the voices in our heads and the voice of God. Right? And we struggle with that. For the shepherds, again, put yourself in their emotional state of mind. They're used to being by themselves. They're used to people viewing them as being on the outs. They've gotten used to their alone, their alone time. They got used to them being and living in the fields by themselves. They got used to the feelings 
of isolation. And here the angel is saying, you can go look. You can go see this thing we told you about. Now keep in mind, nowhere in here do the angels demand or command that the shepherds go and see. Nowhere in there. Read through it. Nowhere do the she- do, are the shepherds told, now go. All the angels do is say, I've got news for you. Here's what's happened. Here's how you can find him if you want to go. But nowhere are they commanded to go. So the shepherds have a decision to go or not to go. Because I would imagine if I'm a shepherd in their, sp- in, their, in their spot, I'm thinking, well, hang on, let's think through this a little bit. I mean, we're used to being in these fields. We've gotten... We've gotten comfortable in these fields. Let's let's just stay put. Like, no harm, no foul. They never told us we had to go. Maybe let's let somebody else go first and and see if it's okay. Because remember, there are two emotions they're dealing with. Loneliness because of their isolation and dread because of the fear of the unknown. And so they're thinking, let's just stay in what we know. Let's stay in our fields. Let's stay with each other. Let's stay with our sheep. We know what tonight's going to look like if we just stay here. See, the voice of isolation says stay put. And we hear ourselves say that, don't we? No, just stay put. You're you're comfortable here. You feel safe here. Don't move. Stay put. See, the voice of loneliness says no one cares. Again, the shepherds, some rough guys that were on the outs of town, no one's going to care what we think. This has to be a joke. Why would we be told about this first? No one cares. No no one's going to want to know what we think. Let's let's just stay with each other. There's There's too many opportunities for this to go wrong. Then you lean into the voice of fear, which we know when that one says, whatever you do, don't. You can't. What if? So you have these internal voices that would most likely be pulling the shepherds to stay put because of the feelings of isolation, loneliness, and dread. I'm just going to stay here. I, I don't want to deal with what might happen. But then you have the voice of God through his angels saying, I have great news. You don't have any reason to be afraid. Here's how you can find Jesus, the Lord, Messiah, King, Savior, the one that everybody has been talking about, the one that everybody has been waiting for. We're going to tell you how to find him. But it's up to you. So the shepherds in this moment of the angels leaving now left again by themselves and alone out in the fields. Which voice do they listen to? We listen to the internal voices that draw us to stay. Do you listen to the voice of God through his angels that say, go and see? See, we all have those internal voices, don't we? Of, oh, you can't. There's, there's too much that could go wrong. We can't figure this out on our own. We don't know which way to go. No one cares. No one's listening. No one's there. Then you have the voice of God. That's why we have this. And the voice of God is saying, I am with you. I will never leave you. I care about you, and I will care for you. I love you. There's nothing to worry about because I've got you. I will help you. I will guide you. I will lead you. I will give you wisdom, discernment, insight. And we find ourselves in that spot, especially during the holidays, of which voice do I listen to? So the shepherds, as we know, they, they decided to listen to the voice of God through his angels. Okay, let's go see this thing that the Lord has told us about. And look at what they did next. Verse 16. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. They hurried off. They didn't sit around and discuss it for a long period of time. They didn't, wait. well, let's wait till morning. Let's sleep on it. Let's see, how we're, let's see what we're thinking in the morning. I just need a clear head. Let's, let's go through. Let's think. Let's, 
not make any rash decisions. Let's pray about it and see what happens. I need another sign, right? We could have a lot of excuses in there. Instead, they said, no, let's go. And they hurried off. Now, for us as a culture, we don't have a problem with hurry, do we? (laughs) Especially during this season, we don't have a problem with hurry. In fact, we're hurrying everywhere we go. Most of you hurried this morning. Congratulations, you made it here for the most part on time. You're telling the kids, hurry up and get up. Hurry up and get dressed. Hurry up and get in the car. Oh, wait, hurry up and eat breakfast in the car. Now hurry up and get to church. Then we're going to hurry up and get out of here because we have a lot that we have to hurry to and get taken care of. And it's going to be a busy week, so we got to hurry, hurry, hurry. We don't have a problem with hurry. I would say our problem is hurrying towards the right things or the wrong things. And sometimes it's not right and wrong even. Maybe it's just the most important and the important. We talked about that a few weeks ago. So it's not so much are you hurrying or are you able to hurry. I know the answer to that. It's are you hurrying to what you should be hurrying to. So here's my challenge for you. And yes, this is a challenge for the whole Christmas season, but let's start with this week. All right, so here's your challenge. If you want to write it down, take a note of it. Here's my challenge to you. Move quickly, but with intentionality. Or said this way, move towards Jesus with urgency and intentionality. We see the shepherds doing just that. They moved towards Jesus with urgency and intentionality. And this idea of movement, we see through all, all throughout scripture and all throughout Jesus' ministry. It's all about movement towards Jesus. In fact, Jesus even said it. He said, come to me all who are weary and I will give you, do you know the last part? I will give you rest. There's this idea because it's a relationship. It's a two-way street of if we will come to him, then he will come to us and provide. Even James tells us, come near to God and he will come near to you. It's a relationship. May we move towards him. We even say this a lot around here that we stumble in the right direction. We stumble towards Jesus. But it's a two-way street. It's a relationship. That idea of moving closer to Jesus, moving with Jesus, the church word for that is discipleship. Becoming more like Christ by moving towards him. But if we move towards him, we need those two parts. That's what the shepherds showed us. They said, move towards Jesus with urgency and intentionality. Urgency. How do we actually move towards Jesus with urgency? Let me pose this question. This is going to be a little convicting for me included. But ask yourself this one. You ready? What is the thing that you know you need to do but you haven't done yet? Start there. (laughs) What do you know you need to do? You would say, I know what I need to do, I just haven't gotten around to it yet. I know what I really need to do, but I haven't done it yet. Whatever that is, start there. Put it at the top of your list this week. Start there and don't do anything else until you get that one thing done because it requires urgency, hurry towards it. I'll get to my family as soon as we get through the holidays. I've got a lot of other things that have to get done and then I can take time for. Instead, maybe we say, okay, I know what needs to get done. I don't need to tell you that. You know what you need to do. Do it. Easier said than done, but start there. What do you know you need to do and you just haven't done yet? Move towards that with urgency. Move towards Jesus with urgency, but also intentionality. The shepherds had a plan. This wasn't just aimlessly walking around town. Jesus, are you around here anywhere? (laughs) Or more so, they actually moved. So often we want everything to just show up or come to us, don't we? I mean, that would be the life. To just say, Lord, open the floodgates of heavens and bless me. Go. Man, that would be great. Where everything just lands in your lap. But that's not the way God chooses to work most of the time. He says, no, no, come near to me and I'll come near to you. Now, what's interesting is when we take a step back, he doesn't take a step back. He will continue to pursue. But the shepherds were given a very intentional plan. Go back to what the angels said. They said, here's how you can find him. 
He'll be in this place. He'll be wearing this. Here's how you know it's him. There was a plan in place to move towards Jesus and to find him. So what's your plan for moving towards Jesus this week? Remember, we're going to start with this week. This week, make a plan. Write it down. Somebody is wiser than me said, it's not a plan unless it's on paper. So you've got to write it down somewhere. Here's a place that you could start. Parents, some of you have gotten these already. If not, please, when you go and pick up your kids, um, ask for one of these in the classrooms, and they'll be glad to give you one. This is our Parent Q Kids Advent Calendar for the season. So, for example, yesterday was the first, and this is going to walk you through. It's a plan on walking your family through not just the Christmas story, but how to take steps closer to Jesus. So yesterday, it was just part of the story. A young couple, Mary and Joseph, got engaged. You could talk to your kids about that. Then it says, now, tape some change to a vending machine for somebody else to find. The idea there is watch somebody be surprised, because Mary and Joseph were very surprised. So you get a little teachable moment, but then you're also doing things for other people. And it's a calendar full of these all throughout the month leading up to Christmas. It doesn't have to be this. Do something. The Gospel of Luke, which is what we're reading through, has 24 chapters. So maybe you read a chapter a day, and that'll lead you all the way up to the 24th of December. Read a chapter a day, you'll get all the way up to Christmas Eve. Read through the entire account of Jesus' life and ministry. Have a plan. Whatever it is, do something, but make it a plan so it becomes intentional. So move towards Jesus with urgency, but also intentionality this holiday season. So you listen to the voice of God. Last thing I want to show you, because that brings us up to this snapshot, doesn't it? We kind of got the emotions that we're dealing that the shepherds were dealing with prior to finally showing up, and they hurried to Jesus. They finally get there, and there's this snapshot, beautiful moment where they meet Jesus for the first time. But what happens after the event? What happens after the, the nativity scene? And here's what we see happen. Verse 17 out of Luke chapter 2. It says, when they had seen him, so afterwards, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told what had been told to them about this child. And look at this. All who heard it were what? What's it say? Amazed. Remember that. We're going to come back to it. And all who heard their story were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. Look, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Did you catch that? They went back to the fields. After they met Jesus, they went back to the same old, same old. After they met Jesus, they went back. Now, here's what's interesting. They went back very, very different. You see the excitement and the joy that they have afterwards, that they had now reading through the story? They didn't have that until they met Jesus. It says when they met Jesus, then Here's how their life changed, and they couldn't help but tell everybody else. And they went back to the fields praising God, rejoicing in God, and being full of joy and excitement. But it didn't happen until afterwards. See, so often we try to, like, fabricate joy, don't we? We, we try to pump ourselves up to be excited for Christmas and the holiday season, to, to wake ourselves up and be excited about our walk with Christ. We cannot fabricate those. It happens upon meeting Jesus, Period. The joy, the excitement, it comes from meeting Jesus. That's what the shepherds experienced. And then when they went back to their fields, the mundane life of living out in the middle of nowhere with just them, fellow shepherds and sheep, they were different. They were full of joy in the fields. Now notice, nothing else in the shepherd's life changed. 
their job didn't change, their financial status didn't change, they were still in the fields. Nothing about their situation, circumstance, or environment changed except their hearts. That's what changed. And a day for the shepherds from then on would never be the same. So I don't know what fields you're getting ready to walk back into. The home life, the job, the family situations, the, the fields of the season, so to speak. We can either go into them dreading them and trying to avoid them, or we can be full of joy. But being full of joy only happens when we meet Jesus. I told you to remember a word. What word were you supposed to remember? It was amazed. Here, I think, is the biggest tragedy of this Christmas story. It says here that all who heard about the shepherd's story were amazed. But we have no account of anybody going to see for themselves. The shepherds witnessed something incredible. They saw Jesus with their own eyes, and they couldn't help but tell everybody. And everybody that heard the story is like, wow, that's awesome. We're amazed. That's incredible. But from what we can tell, they just went back to their normal lives. No one asked the shepherds, well, where did you find him? Can I go see him for myself? How, how do I get there? See, there was a whole bunch of people that heard the story and were amazed, but not changed. The shepherds heard the story, went and saw Jesus with their own eyes, and were forever changed. My prayer for you is you move towards Jesus this season with urgency, and what was the other one? And intentionality that you, yes, would be amazed and full of wonder and awe, but more importantly, you would be changed. The only way that we can be changed is by meeting Jesus. And that's not one and done. I mean, we come before him and we have this moment as we move towards Jesus, we have this kind of a moment, man, every day, where we stop long enough to have that picture-perfect moment with us and Jesus, just like the shepherds had. And then we go back into our fields but we don't go back the same. That'd be my prayer for you. Move towards Jesus with a plan, but hurry towards it. Oh, and be more than just amazed. Be amazed and changed by meeting him. Let's pray. Jesus, we come before you truly amazed at what you would do, that you would come here to us and for us as an infant, yet you are our king, you are our Lord, you are our savior. You are Emmanuel, God with us. So Jesus, yes, we are amazed, but may you also change us, change our hearts. From the moment that we meet you, whether it's right here, right now for the first time, maybe we've heard the story over and over and over again, and yes, we're amazed every time we hear the story, but in this moment, may we truly meet you and come face to face with you. Regardless of the emotional baggage we carry through life, we listen to you and we listen to your voice and we trust your voice more than we do our feelings and so we meet you here. Change our hearts. Jesus, I pray that this Christmas would be different. Regardless of the struggles, the losses, the heartaches, the loneliness, the isolation, the dread, the anxiety that we may feel moving into this season, May this Christmas be different because we meet with you and we move towards you. In Jesus' name, amen.